Welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast, coming up. So if we see food as treats or categorize them as good or bad foods, then that then puts an emotional attachment to them. So food is food is food. It's about the balance and how you have them. But fundamentally, we shouldn't be using the word treats for food because if you're having a really bad day, for example, then learning how to soothe yourself in other ways rather than using food is absolutely crucial. I'm your host, Danielle Collins, and I'm the world-leading face yoga expert, best-selling author of the book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, and creator of the international teacher training program, the Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method. 17 years ago, I healed myself from chronic illness, and I've spent the last 15 years teaching, sharing, and serving millions of people in person, on TV, and online to help them look and feel the best version of themselves. This podcast is about giving you simple, effective, natural tips and advice, and sharing knowledge and insight from industry experts. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it on social media as it means so much if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast as it allows more people to feel healthier and happier naturally. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This is the Face Yoga Expert Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. My guest today is an amazing nutritionist. Her name is Hala Al Shafi, and she has over 15 years clinical experience as a registered dietitian, both in the NHS and in private and corporate sectors. She has been on so many TV programs here in the UK, and she has a really unique understanding of the emotional and psychological issues often associated with food. She has a very very successful, holistic, client-centered approach. And this has brought her a really extensive and loyal following, including lots of high profile and celebrity clients. And in this episode, we really talk about the one thing that is not talked about when it comes to healthy eating and food. And I think that it's one of the most important things. And I know that Hallett does too. It's such a great episode and it really will give you food for thought, pun intended. So without further ado, I want to get into this week's episode with my lovely guest, Hala. Hala, thank you so much for being a guest on the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you doing today? I'm really well and thank you for having me. Well, I'm very excited for you to be here. How have things been going for you? It's been a tough few months. We're still <laughs> in lockdown here in the UK for anyone that doesn't know. But how have things been for you sort of personally and professionally navigating your way through, well, I guess the last 12 months, really, it's been now. Well, it's It's been over, hasn't it, actually? We've we've been in lockdown for, you know, in and out. It's, it's like being in a yo-yo and listening to <laughs> what the government are telling us. You know, are we... Are we out of lockdown? Are we back into lockdown? It's it's been it's been challenging, and I think you know, like a lot of people, um, you know, I, I'm not ashamed to say, you know, I, I have struggled personally as well on a personal level with regard to it because it has been incredibly challenging. You know, Christmas in particular was tough. I spent Christmas alone. Um, yeah, it was re- it was really really tough. So I'm not under any illusion at how difficult it has been for for so many people. But uh, on the flip side of that. 
that. I'm incredibly grateful because, you know, I have my work. And then in fact, I've actually never been busier, um, you know, sadly, because of the nature of what I do clinically, you know, I'm, a, I'm an eating disorder specialist, you know, we have seen a huge increase in the rise of people having challenges around their relationship with food. So, you know, that has been, you know, a knock on effect, you know, the impact of people's mental health has been really, really difficult. But, you know, I'm, I'm still here, I'm still working, still abiding by all of the rules. <laughs> And it's challenging. And I I have had to really focus on my personal self-care, you know, because, you know, of course, I'm looking after other people. And so, you know, that that is something that I'm incredibly mindful of and and have have had to be. Do you have any sort of self-care routines or rituals you do? Because you're so right when you're in a profession where you're caring for other people and particularly with what you do, as you say, you're having to sort of guide and help and navigate people through some really, really challenging points in their life. Is there anything you do to sort of protect your energy or just to look after yourself? Yes, it's actually something I'm incredibly ruthless um, with because, you know, I have had um, experiences in the past where my boundaries haven't been so great and that has had a personal impact on me but both on my health and you know and, and well-being so the first thing I would say is learning the art of saying no so that that's a big one for me so boundaries and knowing how much work to take on for example knowing what you can do what you can't do with regards to your own energy levels so I always check in with myself and I definitely start my day with mindfulness and meditation that really helps to set up my day and also with gratitude because you know just the fact that we've woken up in this climate as well particularly now more than ever I think most people would probably agree that it's not the big things that they're wanting to do like jetting off on holiday or you know buying a new sports car or anything like that it's actually you know just seeing our friends for a cup of coffee and having a hug you know so I'm absolutely grateful and I start my day with gratitude and then I do a daily meditation as well. That's amazing and I think that having those sort of practices I think whatever your profession is really is so so important and particularly starting the day like that I think starting the day with gratitude is incredibly important I try and even before I get out of bed list five things in my head that I'm really grateful for and it really makes a difference and actually you notice when you don't do it the impact of not doing it almost more than when you're doing it really you know you notice how that can can change your day Exactly. And when you're starting your day with um, the focus on what you're actually grateful for, it changes the whole energy. Do you know what I mean? It changes the whole shift even before you've even got out of bed, you know, and actually making, you know, making the decision to have a good day and looking at the small pockets of peace that you can bring into your day, you know, and, you know, those moments of bliss, whether it's your favorite cup of tea, whether it's um, a TV program, catching up with friends, it's really important to actually still have those pockets of peace and joy, even when we're in this, you know, scenario that we're, we're in. Absolutely. And do you ever combine sort of little tips and advice like this with your nutrition advice when you're working with clients across all spectrums, really? Do you you give these advice as well? 
Absolutely. It's actually mm. the cornerstone of what I do. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I have a Bachelor of Science um, with honours in, in nutrition. But in, in actual fact, Danielle, the nutrition, the food side of it is the actual smallest part of mm-hmm. what I do. Now, people might be really surprised by that, but I'm an expert in the psychology of eating and supporting people with their relationship with food. And most people that come to me, even if they're or whatever spectrum they are on the weight scale, whether that's severely overweight or severely underweight, they all know what a balanced diet looks like. Mm-hmm. But that isn't the issue. The issue is around their challenges with being able to meet that. So it's looking at the underlying causes um, around their relationship with food, their emotional well-being. And so absolutely, gratitude is a cornerstone of the work that I do with clients and mindfulness and meditation. And in fact, actually, the workshops that I, I run, this is a significant part of what we do. So people might be surprised that the focus is all on the food. But in actual fact, unless you're dealing with the why, you can't even begin to deal with the what. And I think that that's the biggest misconception around nutrition that people seem to have missed. I agree. And I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that's incredibly, incredibly important because you're right. I think that everybody does pretty much know what a balanced diet looks like. But the reasons why many people may not be doing that are much, much deeper. So I'm really glad you brought that side of things up. And is that something you've always been interested in? I mean, I know you said that you did your degree in nutrition. Have you always been interested in nutrition and the psychology behind it? I actually, my dissertation was in, in eating disorders, actually. I was looking at self-help booklets that are used for treatment in bulimia nervosa and to see if they could be adapted um, to be used as a teaching tool for medical students and dietitians, dietetic students. So um, that was my first insight really into the psychology of eating. And, and, and so because of all the texts that I had had to read, you know, I, I just became absolutely fascinated with, you know, the, the mind and people's relationship with food. So that really set a precedence. And that actually set a precedence with my practice and how I practice. Because in actual fact, this wasn't taught to me, this wasn't taught in my degree. But, you know, like I say, Unless you understand the why, you can't even possibly begin to discuss the what. Completely. And many people listening to this, of course, won't be suffering from an eating disorder or won't be hugely underweight or overweight, but actually they would like to just feel that they're in a bit more of a balanced space with their eating. Would you Mm -hmm. say working with the mind is, is the first thing that they should do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the first thing is, is that uh, the first thing I want to say is people have overcomplicated nutrition and we need to get back to basics and simplify it. You need to be eating from all of the food groups. Um, you need to be um, making sure that you're having a plant-based diet. And I don't mean vegan or vegetarian when I say that, but what I'm saying is the largest portion on your plate needs to be lots of different plant-based foods right? Mm -hmm. And ensuring that you are also including good types of fats in there as well. And whole foods, whole grains. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't room for, um, you know, foods such as chocolates, um, you know, or desserts and what have you. And it's a a balanced approach. And it's what I call the 80-20 rule. And that's what life is about. You know, it's like if it's your birthday, for example, and you're not having a slice of cake or it's somebody else's birthday and you're not having a slice of cake, there's probably an issue there. And that is definitely something that needs to be looked at, you know, and, you know, it's not one meal or one food that is a deal breaker. But 
the balance um, of our food and, and the variety and the the regularity of meals that we're having is really important. You know, stabilizing our blood, sugar, blood sugars, for example. You know, I don't know about you, Danielle, but um, if I've gone too long without food, I'm not a very nice person to be around. I get hangry. I get. I call it hangry. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I need to be eating regularly always. Of course, because your blood sugars have stopped and, and that has nothing to do with willpower. It's, it's like that's physiology. That's basic physiology. So we need to have regular meals so that we can, you know, function and we can concentrate as well. You know, that goes for school children particularly as well, but all of us as well, you know, the, you know, a function. But on top of that, it isn't just our food. It is also our total well-being that's absolutely crucial. So I'm talking to people about their sleep hygiene. And by sleep hygiene, I mean by um, the quality of your sleep and the length of time that you're sleeping as well in the evening. That's very, very important um, because that does have a direct effect on how you function the next day and also cravings for example as well so that's that's very important and also activity levels getting out in in the fresh air now it's been so challenging for us over you know winter months because it's been drizzly and it's been absolutely freezing freezing but you know just getting out and it doesn't have to be the gym but just getting out into some fresh air into nature is so healing and so important another factor is our environment. So looking at what we've got in our cupboards, for example. So if you if you come at home and you've got, you know, a beautiful fruit bowl, you're going to be more mindful about actually having it. And it's going to be a reminder there. Whereas if you've got, you know, sweets and chocolates and croissants everywhere, then it's going to be much harder to resist having those types of foods on a regular basis if they're just there. Because if I have them there, I'll eat them. I agree. Exactly. My husband and I always say that. We say if we haven't got it in, we're not going to eat it. But what that does, I feel, is then it allows you to have those treats. And it's really important to have those treats, but mindfully. So you can actually say, do you know what? Let's get a uh, takeaway, you know, cake and cup of tea. And you're actually purposely going for that. You're going to sit down, you're going to enjoy it, or you're purposely doing that, you know, I'm going to have a lovely dessert after this meal because you want to, rather than like you say, it's there you've got a fridge full of it and you're just grabbing it without realizing well it's really interesting that you use the word treats there actually danielle i knew you were going to say that (laughs) because one of the other um, factors of my work which is really crucial is the dialogue that people use um and uh, in their relationship with food so if we see food as treats or categorize them as good or bad foods then that then puts an emotional attachment um to them so food is food is food it's about the balance and how you have them but fundamentally we shouldn't be using the word treats for food because if you're having a really bad day, for example, then learning how to soothe yourself in other ways rather than using food is absolutely crucial because what then happens is, and this is where um, emotional eating comes into play, yeah, is that if you are treating yourself, so to speak, with food, and then there is a certain situation in in your life where you're really challenged, that's going to cause an impact. And that is actually what happens when people have that um, relationship with food and um, they're emotionally eating or, you know, boredom eating, stress eating and what have you. It's like, oh, I'll have this to treat myself. It's like, no. I mean, I know at the moment, obviously, we can't go for massages, blow dries or anything else, but it's having a different relationship with learning to self-soothe that isn't related to food. 
Does that make sense? Completely makes sense. And as soon as I said the word tree, I thought Halla <laughs> will say to me <laughs> that that word links it to emotion. And actually, I say this to my children as well, My particularly my four-year-old. She says, mum, is milk healthy? Mum, is this a treat? And she actually says this and you think, oh, actually, that's interesting how she's picking up dialogue. And I mm. always say there's no food that's good food and no food that's bad food. All the food gives us energy and we try and eat a balanced diet and we try a little bit of everything. So I just try and always bring that. Like you say, it's almost like neutral. Like we want children to grow up knowing that actually eating those healthy foods from nature are really going to nourish our body, but there's no bad foods out there. Nothing's bad. You know, everything needs to be included in our diet, but just in in differing amounts. Exactly. Exactly right. And so, you know, this is also something that is hugely challenging for my clients or patients to understand, you know, in the first session, they're thinking, first of all, she hasn't given me a plain meal plan. Well, mm-hmm. I don't give meal plans. So that's, <laughs> that's the first thing. And secondly, what does she mean? I'm not, I, I can't, uh, you know, I can eat everything, you know. So this is obviously in context as well. But it's when we have a relationship of guilt attached to certain foods. So, for example, if you have said, oh, I can't eat the chocolate, I can't. And then uh, invariably, the whole focus is only on the chocolate because that's the first thing that you, you know, that's yeah. the thing you've said to yourself, you can't have it. it you know, it's, it's human psychology and it's down to um, the law of scarcity. So the minute you say you cannot have something, that's the only thing that you're going to be focusing on. So if you're able, you know, and initially speaking, particularly when people have a really challenging relationship with food, you know, that they're, they're, they're nervous that they may gain weight until they come into sort of like an equilibrium and start to trust themselves and start to eat intuitively, right? That's where we want to get people. And I say back to, because if you look at children, they all eat intuitively. We teach them out of what's natural, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I I completely agree. And intuitive eating, if I was to describe what I do and no one's perfect with the, with the way that they eat or don't eat or their attitudes to things no but thing. exactly there's no there's such, no thing, such thing as exactly but intuitive eating I just think is so important because sometimes your body really wants a piece of chocolate cake and sometimes it's yes. really craving an apple or it's really craving to have a pizza or whatever it is and actually just listening to that and just gaining that balance but I mean I mean I guess I'm one of the lucky ones I've always grown up with a very healthy relationship to food but I know that lots of people actually haven't and also have been pulled in over the years to lots of trends and fads. And I think social media, particularly nowadays, I mean, I feel for teenagers and young people. I mean, we never had that when we grew up. And I think that's part of the reason. I mean, I've always had a mum who's had a really healthy relationship with food and I never had social media. But actually, if those two things weren't the case, maybe it'd be different. What I'm sure you've got lots that you want to say on this, but in terms of trends and fads, you know, what are you noticing at the moment that's happening well I mean well first of all you talk about social media and we we um, have a, a campaign a petition at the moment to uh, basically try and ban these mixed messages and misinformation that is rife on social media you know there is a new fad on TikTok as well with regards to which is really scary promoting you know really toxic and very dangerous diets to children I think the average age for TikTok isn't it like 10 12 13 something like that yeah so it's really really worrying but there's also so much information out there so 
take myself, for example, I'm a registered dietitian and I am registered with the um, HCPC. So that's the same register that um, dentists and other healthcare professionals have to be on. And we are very strictly regulated by law and rightly so. However, the loophole here is that there are several people out there who are not qualified, have had no training, dubious training, I would say, as in they're they're not qualified to give advice to the general public, who are making a lot of money out of people's vulnerabilities. And that needs to stop. So I can be, you know, hold up in a court of law. You know, everything that I ha- that I um, say, it has to be evidence-based. Whereas these people who aren't trained, able to spout off whatever information is out there and do do harm to people. And that has to stop. You know, the regulations need to be in place to keep the general public safe. Also, the other thing is the title nutritionist is not a protected title, unlike that of dietitian. Um, And that's also hugely problematic because I have got colleagues in the field who do have a degree in nutrition who are incredibly well qualified, but there is no law stipulating the use of nutrition, the title nutritionist. Anybody can call themselves that, by the way. So you need to be really clear and clued up about who you're getting your information from. So are they a registered nutritionist? Do they have a degree in nutrition? And are they experienced? That's the other factor as well. You know, when I came out of university 20 years ago, did I have the experience I do now? Of course not. You need to know that the person that you're taking advice on knows what they're talking about. Definitely. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think particularly with the influencer culture we have on social media at the moment, it's very easy, particularly for teenage girls, as an example, to look up to certain influencers and say, oh, I want to look like them or have a body like them. And I'm sure you come across this a lot. And then they're trying to sort of copy what they see that they say that they eat in a day, whether they even eat this in a day or not, who knows. But actually that can be really damaging. And I get messages, even with what I do, you know, and I'm much more sort of yoga based and that's what I've always done. Um, And people ask me a lot, you know, could you do videos about what you eat in a day? And I don't, you know, I'm not going to do that because actually what works for me, and that's going back to the intuitive eating, isn't going to work for somebody else, even if they're the same age, the same height, the same weight, actually still what suits them is going to be very different from what suits me. Exactly. And it goes back to, you remember I was saying, you know, I don't give people meal plans. The reason being is when I'm working with people, I'm working with them on their specifics. I have their blood results. I have their medical history. If they're taking any medication, for example, that their height, their weight, their age, you know, there are so many factors involved when you're dealing with somebody, you know, in that remit. So there is no one size fits all approach. And the other aspect is, is that this is something that many, many people don't consider is even if you were to give 100 people exactly the same diet and exactly the same amount of activity, they would all still be completely different body shapes because of genetics. So, you know, what we're not doing is we're not teaching our children to um, embrace their uniqueness and celebrate themselves. Then they grow up into incredibly insecure teenagers and then adults. And also a lot of this is picked up from the language that is used with parents as well. You know, and I see this a, a lot in my practice. 
is that, you know, often, you know, mum will contact me and say, you know, I'm really, really concerned about my daughter. And then actually, when when you have the conversation, they then realise that they have actually impacted their own daughters because of their relationship with food. They've been on and off diets, for example, you know, the terminology that they use as well. So we have to be incredibly mindful about the language that we're using, not just with with our families, just overall, we're a weight obsessed um, society. Rather than looking at somebody's character, why, you know, (laughs) does that make Mm -hmm. you any better than the next person? Or should it not be about the content of your character and, you know, how how does that make somebody greater than the next person for example because you're in a smaller gene gene size well congratulations you're probably not that interesting a person and actually your weight is the least interesting thing about you yeah definitely and you know again it goes back to looking inside us and something which I really believe and I know lots of my listeners do as well is that our true beauty starts from within you know when we are looking after ourselves when we are eating in it a shows. really nice balanced way it shows yeah. it shows, it shows. every part of us and is there any advice that you would give someone who really wants to to tune into that and that doesn't need to be specifically talking about necessary particular eating plans or anything like that but I know lots of my listeners really love to look and feel healthy and vibrant and glowing and I am one that really dislikes the word anti-aging and it's linked to what I do a lot, but I'm really not anti-aging in any way. I think that aging is an absolute privilege and actually... What I want is just to be my healthiest, strongest and most vibrant self at all my ages. Have you got any tips that you'd like to pass on? And they can be wellness or food, sort of linked to that idea of beauty starting within. Well, I would say, first of all, celebrate your uniqueness. You know, nobody else is you. You know, we are all on this planet. We're as unique as our thumbprint, you know, and celebrating who you are is absolutely crucial. Tune into yourself. So mindfulness practice, yoga and self-care is absolutely crucial, particularly for women. Most women do not put themselves first. And by self-care, I'm talking about being self-full not selfish, self-full. And when you're giving, yeah, and when you're giving from a cup that is full, you're able to give from that overflow. When you are exhausted, when you're, you know, looking after everybody else and leaving yourself last and you're trying to give from an empty cup, you're depleted and you're not your best and you're not happy. And then you're going to start to implode. The stress levels start to increase. Your cortisol levels are then impacted. That's your stress hormones. Your hunger and satiety levels are messed up. Your sleeping patterns, all of these factors are impacted when we don't put ourselves first. And it's it's often such a challenging um, conversation for me to have with women. Because, and often they, they cry when, when this is mentioned to them because they're like, wow, no, I don't put myself first. And, you know, and, and it's, it, you know, it's a process that it's really important that, you know, you take that time and you journal and that you, lit, you have that me time for you. Because once you start from that point onwards, everything else starts to fall into place really really does and I think that that's so important to say and you know I 
I teach this a lot about self-care, but I really love how you link it so much to the food and nutrition side of things. You know, what you've told us is, is so, so important and so key. And it's something not many people actually say. Many people are just focusing, and actually many experts are just focusing on eat this food, but don't eat that food. But what I'm hearing from you actually is if you start with that self-care, if you start with building yourself up and you work on your mind and you work on yourself holistically and you look after your wellness, everything else follows. It's like that secret that no one's really talking about. It's not really about the food. It's about everything else. Exactly. Because then you're able to quieten the mind, you're able to be in touch and in tune and you're listening to to yourself. And then you're able to eat intuitively You know, you take the rest, you take the care that you need in the same way that you would look after somebody else. You need to be looking after yourself in that same way. In fact, actually, even more so, so that you're able to give from that overflow. And if you don't do that, things start to fall down. I'm sure that many of your listeners can identify and relate to what I'm saying. Absolutely. And I think as as women, it's so easy to, and, and many men too, but it's so easy to put everybody else first and yes. think that it's selfish. And I like that you said about self, self-full, did you say? Self, self-full. self-full. Yes, exactly. exactly. Rather than being selfish in it isn't selfish to look after yourself it is essential and it's that saying that is said so much about you put your own oxygen mask on before you help other people I know it's an overused phrase at the moment but actually I remember the very first time someone told me that I mean years and years and years Mm -hmm. ago and actually I kept thinking but why would you do that why wouldn't you help other people first why would you sort yourself out first and it's crazy isn't it how for so many people they have that thought but actually I'll give everything everything to everybody else and then if there's any time Anything or energy left, left over <laughs> which there always isn't let's face it yeah so you're leaving then yourself with the scraps you are you're leaving you are. yourself with the scraps and the natural fact that then translates to every other area in uh, in your life and what's really interesting that I've noticed in my practice is that once people start to get a handle on their self-care yes they've come to me with regards to their food and nutrition but it has a knock-on effect on every single area of their life So, you know, you see that if there are challenges in their relationship, they're starting to find their voice and they're addressing that. If they're in a job that they hate, they're they're actually seeing it for what it is. And they're like, actually, I'm not happy anymore. I'm going to do something about it. So it's fascinating seeing the knock-on effect that it actually has when we put ourselves first. And if we don't do that, I mean, look at the, you know, the the situation that we've been in at the moment with lockdown, the increased amount of stress and anxiety it shouldn't be that much of a surprise that the incidence of misuse of alcohol has gone up by actually 60%. People are using on that because many of us have not been taught how to cope with our emotions or we're in this society which is like, you know, we we shouldn't be speaking, you know, for something, you know, stiff up, stiff up a lip. Well, in actual fact, that's that's not the case at all. We have to, and it, it, we have to get help if we need to get that help. We have to share that. But fundamentally, that comes from not putting ourselves first. Really does. And I think that's such a strong message and so important. And if we were to finish by you just, and I know you've already given us so many tips for this, but (laughs) if you were going to add anything to what you've already said in terms of what we can do to really find that peace within and to really, I guess, glow from the inside out, what would that be? 
first of all, you've got to get real. You've got to get honest, really get honest with yourself, right? And you need to be tapping into your authentic self. So being really truthful, brutally truthful about what you're happy with in your life or not. And that's going to take some time. And it might also mean impacting some changes in your life. But when you're starting from a place of truth and honesty, about where you're at, the rest will start to um, fit into place if you have the courage to follow through with that. And then the other aspect, which is very, very important, is laughter. You've got to have fun. I know that we haven't been in much of a fun environment at all, but we have to find that joy somewhere, you know. So, you know, catching up with friends that you have a really good um, laugh with, you know, watching something that makes you um, laugh, you know, comedy that you enjoy. But laughter is absolutely the best medicine and it makes you shine and glow. They're the best people to be around, right? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, it's something we can we can all take life too seriously sometimes. Yeah, um, I mean, listen, there hasn't been a lot of um, reason for, to have a lot of joy and fun. I mean, literally, I mean, I, I probably <laughs> stopped watching the news because, you know, it's exactly, it, it's not exactly... <laughs> <laughs> it's Full not exactly of joy. joyful. Yeah, exactly. But that that is really, um, really important. And then the one last point that I would say is remove toxicity. And by toxicity, I mean people. Be really ruthless about that. If there are people in your life that are not bringing their energy correct, and we all know <laughs> those people mm-hmm. that I'm talking about, is that you need to address that. And I, you know, I'm, I have been really ruthless with that in my own personal life. And it works. You don't need that. Life's too short. Completely. That is just amazing. Um, And you've been full of wonderful, wonderful (laughs) tips. And if people would like to connect with you, where can they do that, Hala? Yeah, so the brand on um, Instagram is nutrition underscore rocks. Um, And then it's just my name on um, Instagram. And I'm also on Twitter, although I I find Twitter really toxic, by the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It can be really, it can be a great place professionally, but sometimes, you know, you've just got to be really ruthless. I kind of go in and then I go out because, yeah, I don't know. To protect your energy for sure exactly and that's not just like the people that you're at it's also what you're reading what you're um watching social media be really mindful about about that you know and if anybody or anything is making you feel a certain way there's an unfollow button for a reason there absolutely is Hala thank you so much you are just full of knowledge and wisdom <laughs> and I know that everyone is going to just devour every word you've said so thank you oh. so so much oh thank you Daniel it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much so I hope you've enjoyed this episode if you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher just head to our website faceyogaexpert.com for more information If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.